Hello, I'm Hannah Warmer, violinist and composer, and welcome to season five of my podcast, where I talk to you about the various trials and tribulations of working in the arts and entertainment industry. If you would like to get in touch, feel free to email me assistant at hannahwarmer.online and feel free to follow me wherever you listen to your podcast so you get notifications on the latest episode. Welcome to my podcast, The Rosin Diaries. We're on to episode, I believe, eight. Yes, episode eight, season five. And I'm laying on my bed while it's raining outside. It's finally raining in the UK. When I say raining, it's not a downpour. It's like ever so light spitting. But we've finally got rain after what is apparently a drought. And today I'm going to be talking about going back to live concerts, fully going, I mean not doing loads, but going back to um, official live concerts with the accompanist and everything, and the, the pros and cons, the ups and downs of that. So I look forward to talking about that. So firstly, I'd like to apologise for not having a podcast out last week. I've had severe internet problems. They were off for a long, most of last week. And then it went off again in the early hours, early hours of Sunday. But I think it's all fixed now. So I'm very sorry that this is a week late. But I really had to focus on trying to get that internet back and trying to keep work going. Um... But talking of work, I am back to recitals, so not just um, a few special events here or there, but recitals, that's me performing with pianists. And so I'm doing a recital in September and I'm doing one in October. The one in September is with David Salkoff and then in October I'll be performing in London with Daniel Roberts. And it's a really different way, pace of life, performing live concerts to um, virtual concerts. And so doing the two together is, is that I don't do the same thing live as I do virtually. So it's at the moment con- like concentrating on preparing both those form of concerts while also a film is coming. So I'm going to talk to you a little bit about how I prepare for a live concert. So the number one big difference for live concerts when it's classical music is that the repertoire is planned way in advance. So when I'm doing a virtual concert, I may decide on the day after working on various pieces which ones I want to play. Not so for a live concert, I have to give my repertoire way in advance. So I'm working on pieces, not pizza, but pieces months in advance. Also, um, the swings and roundabouts for live concerts is that I'm performing with other or at least one other musician so this will be a pianist and so it's lots of rehearsals um this is good and bad the good thing is with a virtual orchestra I can't slow or speed down the piece or have much freedom in the artisticness other than how I fit in with the accompaniment but when I'm performing live with a musician um 
whoever's got the tune, we can do a lot more interaction. So when the pianist has got a tune, I have to quickly follow the pianist and fit in with them. And then when the tune's passed over to me, the violinist, the pianist has to fit with me and we can slow down, speed up and do a lot more with it. That can't happen really. I'm always following the virtual orchestra. The downside is it takes a lot more rehearsal to be comfortable with each other so that we know each other's playing and gestures and movements. And so we're aware of what we call leading in to passages and stuff like that and obviously I've performed with Daniel since 2012 yeah it's our 10 year reunion concert in London um so we seem to have a shorthand that has just been developed over years and even when we haven't performed together because of a pandemic when he comes back to the UK it takes very little rehearsal to get us together but a new pianist it takes time so it's taking a lot of rehearsals so it's a lot more performing and musical practice that goes into a live concert than there is in a virtual concert but on the other hand there's a lot less design and concepts that goes into live concerts so you all your work is on the music in practice rooms around people's houses i've been to the pianist house for the september concert <coughs> sorry I had a bit of a cough and um but we have no control of the venue or the artist artistry aside from the music so where stage at the hours will go into designing shows that's not the case for the live shows it's very much up to venue go do it go home so there's lots of differences there the thing I'm going to have to start preparing, I've noticed this when I've done the few live concerts over the last two years, is talking. So with virtual concerts, after doing now over 500 on stage, it, I've kind of developed a way of doing them. And it does involve more speaking, more addressing the audience, more answering your questions. And um, I have to remember, and I will work on this <laughs> pre -live live recital that's not the case i do talk in live recitals but it's more introduced it's more a one-way street um it's more prepared speech talking about the pieces and things as opposed to just going off on tangents and sometimes talk about things that have nothing to do with the music so that will be and also i'll have to prepare myself for the way people show appreciation in pop music people tend to be a lot louder whereas in classical music people listen more intently and clap at the end of the piece and it's yeah not quite used to, I have to get used to not looking up and looking to see if the chat's flowing so that's because that can be I get um put off quite quickly um in when I first did stage it I was put off by the chat a lot and then I've got used to that but again when I first did live concerts I used to easily get put off um if someone's wearing a hat or if you know like just things can like draw my attention away I've got the attention span of a ferret basically so I'm gonna have to watch for that um, another thing the most probably the thing that I missed about live concerts is the very difference between the virtual ones is the um, to meet probably some people listen to this podcast and many people that won't be um, to meet you all afterwards um, to see your faces to have a conversation after the show that's always an absolute amazing thing but I think also the biggest thing is 
the communication with other musicians because when I do perform, this isn't for every virtual concert, but when I do perform virtual concerts, there is a sense of isolation about it. Luckily, I compose a lot, which is very isolating, so I'm kind of used to it. But the communication with another performer on stage is absolutely remarkable, or even in a practice room, just um, to be able to be so creative and expressive that way. And I feel like chamber music, that small ensemble, so like two, less than 10 people playing, basically. So um, they are much more creative in my mind than when I'm soloing with an orchestra. Because soloing with an orchestra, the conductor is following you, and it's more like a backing track kind of situation. There is less um, moments for individual dialogue, musical dialogue, obviously, with individual um, musical lines. You're working more, the conductor is keeping the ship afloat, like keeping the orchestra in time and going together, and you're playing your tune over the top, but it seems more disjointed than chamber music where you have the ability to really slow down and have sort of flirty conversations with other musicians musical conversations obviously the other aspect of live concerts that this may seem weird to you well some of it won't but that you may not have considered um the bit i started to really hate about live concerts the traveling luckily both of these live concerts are in the southeast of England. One's in London and one is actually incredibly close to my house. So it's not too much traveling. But still, you know, compared to walking to the music studio, all the traveling into London. I think the thing that used to get me with the traveling for performing was the fact that I'd see so many things I want to do. It's like being on holiday, but you're not. So you don't get to do anything. And that's really kind of depressing. So like you go to London and you see everyone else in a bar or doing something cool or going on a boat and you're like just traveling past them you're watching the world go by while you're on your way to something so I do like the virtual concerts that I I don't get I get to go out now and have fun but I work you know like to go to a concert is like a five minute walk from my house five ten minutes so that I enjoy and then the final thing that's different about live concerts to studio concerts has got to be appearance so for the last two years all I've had to focus on is the front of myself what I mean is my hairstyles I've had to choose hairstyles where you see my hair so if you look back through past like on google and see like live concert photos you'll notice i've like these elaborate buns and like my hair braided all around my head with sparkly things in it all this plait stuff going on really elaborate hairstyles they were pointless on stage it because it's all at the back all it looks like is i've got a bald head so this concert's hairstyle for stage it's hair down with a little bit up that's pinned up yeah everyone knows that one there's the fishtail at the side very exciting there's the twirly hair at the side, another exceptionally exciting one. Occasionally on really hot days, a ponytail. Or for special shows like Game of Thrones, it could be curls. Or for um, like the Star Wars one, Princess Leia hairstyle. But for like live concerts, I get to actually really think about the back of my hair. But also, dresses and outfits all change. I mentioned stage it. I mean, I'm really tempted to wear something green for my live concerts because I have so many green concert dresses that I've not been able to wear for two years because I have a green screen 
and it would just be that I don't have a body if I wear a green dress. Also, some of my, what I consider uncomfortable show, uh, clothes for sitting down and performing on stage yet, or they're too big, the dresses, that like they puff out too much, they knock all the equipment over. I could wear those on a live concert. I feel like the, the recitals, you shouldn't go as big as with orchestra. So when I'm performing a solo standing up with orchestra, that's the big dress moment. But I feel like I might just wear a huge dress. Just, you know, like my big blue one or my big red one. Just because I haven't been able to. So maybe look out for that on live concerts. It's either going to be a big dress or a green dress. Something I haven't been able to wear for two, two years. But I think the thing I'm looking forward to the most with live concerts, the return to live concerts, is the connection. It has to absolutely be that connection within a concert hall when it is 100% tangibly live and that communication connection that you're doing with both the audience and other artists on stage is... Yeah, like I said, tangible. That's a really amazing thing. So I'm very much looking forward to it. Still plan like working hard on this repertoire. And then the final thing will be because I'm so looking forward to going back to live concerts. Is um, many of the people, some of you listening to this podcast, who are coming to watch the live shows in either London or in Essex. Um, I will be, because I can't do this on every show, when I'm doing huge amounts of concerts per year, I can't do this, but I'm doing it on these two shows, I'm doing drinks meetups afterwards, and that's going to be amazing, so, um, <laughs> I know someone else wanted to go out, like, for an all-nighter after a show, I was like, I, I won't risk Hannah's violin in a nightclub, <laughs> so we, it's not going to be an all-nighter in London, um, who is it, I think, I think maybe the boy said, he can imagine us all like ending up in like <laughs> John's hotel room. That's oh yeah. So this is an amazing thing actually. Um, if you're listening around the world, um, John, more, um, John from a uh, stage it. Sorry, I've, I've just had a brain freeze there. John from stage it. I'm not sure. I don't think he's a podcast person. I don't think he listens to a podcast. But he's under the username Witty Fan on stage. It he's flying from Chicago in the United States all the way to London to watch the London show, which is absolutely amazing. And I said I'm going to show him like all not just I spent quite a few days with him in London and show him like as much as I can show him in London. Um, just because I like London as well. Um, I'm one of those people that if I after a day in the city I get really annoyed because it gets really busy and chaotic for me because I'm used to staring at trees and things um but it is nice for a once in a while thing it's nice to go up there and then it's equally as nice for me to go home and I'm lucky enough that I mean I suppose I think the only time I wish I lived in I do really enjoy the countryside but I enjoy the countryside more in the summer I feel in winter sometimes I get a bit envious of city people because in order to get anywhere, you know, like it could be cold, pouring rain, you got to get in your car, drive out, and then you got to walk through the rain, blah, blah, and you feel a bit jealous of city people where everything is on their road or like the subway is just like a 30 minute, 30 minute, 30 second walk from their front door. I feel very envious of that. Oh yeah, and also I hate 
I hate this in winter, that the subway, I'm saying subway because I talk to so many Americans these days, but the underground, as we say in England, um, there's this weird, weird phenomenon where it's always overly hot in there. I mean, the summer it's unbearable, but in the winter it's still really hot. And this is the worst thing because England doesn't get icy cold like Denmark and Norway and all that and Scandinavian countries. It just gets a bit soggy really in the winter. And so, like, you walk out in the rain, and it's a bit cold, the rain, and then you go on the underground, and then everyone is a bit damp, and it's so hot on, like, on the train, and it's all steaming up and hot, and you've got, like, a winter sweater on, and it's starting to get itchy, and you're damp, and, you know, you're feeling all this heat and damp underneath a big winter coat you've got on, and you're, it's just the worst thing. It's like being fully clothed in a steam room. And you know me, the one of the reasons I love summer is because lack of clothing. I, I've said this on stage here, but I'll say it again here, that when I was a child, and I think it stayed with me in an aspect till I was an adult, I was one of those children, one of those difficult, annoying children, where everything itched. So clothing itched, I didn't like wearing this clothing, it itches, this itches, this itches. Hated anything woolly or sweater-like, it itches. Um, I used to try and strip my clothes off going to theatre so like there's things in the UK called pantomimes and they're like family friendly they're like funny plays that have singing and dancing and jokes and stuff and they're all for the family they're around at Christmas and I used to try and like strip those off when I was about two or three hated clothing hated anything that I considered itchy and my biggest hate was washing my hands like my parents washing my hands under a sink and getting a tiny bit of water on my cuffs oh no that was horrible so i think that stays with me that's probably one of the reasons i like summer because it's like the lack of clothing it's everything's floaty Every, i mean it doesn't i don't have to have my body on show but like you know like you can wear a long like maxi dress and everything's just floating and nothing's clinging to me or itchy so yeah i i really really hate that aspect of the winter but yeah i do feel that i'm lucky to live close to london but for me personally it's better to be away and just have my own thoughts and time um but in the winter i can really see the point of living in the city you know like the country gets i gets kind of bleak in the winter it really is all this you know you see my instagram pictures of all the fruit and the animals and the then not in the winter the only picture i put up is like pictures occasionally going are we dead did we die not know it but anyway i'm off target so talking to you about uh, hopefully you've enjoyed and learned a little bit of difference between live performances and virtual performances and both are absolutely wonderful i do after two years of it much i appreciate so much more the virtual concerts than what i used to and how it is a, a great for entertainment and also artistic expression but equally it is going to be wonderful to see real people and perform with real people and leave my home and leave my studio <laughs> for something that's considered work because the only time i've left i've done a few concerts over the last two years but not many and the only time i actually leave for work is when i go to the radio station once a week or if i choose to do some written work at the gym <laughs> And so I hope you've enjoyed this short but sweet little podcast. I'm sorry about the break last week, but this podcast about the difference between live and virtual concerts. If you would like to go to either my Essex or my um, my London concert, I'll be putting the link 
in the comments of this show. I think it's available on Anchor and also on Spotify. You'll be able to see it in the title, maybe on iTunes as well, but a little link to some of the concerts. And thank you for listening. I'm Hannah Warmer, and thank you for listening to season five of my podcast, The Rosin Diaries. I hope that you're happy wherever you listen to the podcast and make sure, share it with friends, tell them all about it if this is your go-to podcast of choice.